Welcome, everyone, to a special pre-post Father's Day edition of Talk Hard. I don't have any intros for you guys, so let's just say hi. Uh, Scott, how you doing over there in Frankfurt? Man, doing good. Uh, USA wins a big match, and they're on to the quarterfinals. I can't wait to dig no into that. Talk. No soccer talk. Into the, yeah, semifinals. Let's do it. No. Argen- Argentina. Todd, Todd, help me out. Todd. Oh, I thought he was talking about quick recall. <laughs> the quick recall. No, the it's best quick recall team. Actually, I watched like the NBA Finals Game Six was on, and you know I'm I'm a huge basketball, huge NBA fan, and I was watching I was watching those final minutes of the the Ecuador match. So yeah, I was kind of into it a little bit. Attaboy. Yeah, but I can't talk about it any. Um, <laughs> so we are actually recording this before father's day it won't come out until after father's day so um guys how was your father's day i'm assuming it was great yeah good time <laughs> to get it was it was any any time with the little one it yeah. was a time well appreciated yeah you weren't disappointed uh, well no all right todd todd how was it's your father's day buddy definitely in my top 50 father days <laughs> Um, <laughs> all right good stuff you're you're older yeah, I, than i thought <laughs> well of course i mean it's not like i've been a father for 50 years but, but you have uh, you've had a father for 50 years i see what you're saying i have i have so i've yeah, I've, I've, yeah it's, there's overlap there yeah. gotcha it's not all about todd it's also about that's benny. right see i'm so that's selfish right. and todd is thinking benny <laughs> yeah yeah i hope you all have <laughs> Hope you all had a good day with your kids. Hope you had a good day with your dads. Um, we're all lucky enough to still have our dads around, so that's cool. Um, yeah, mine was mine was pretty good. Uh, I had um, NBA Finals Game 7 on one TV. I had WWE Pay-Per-View uh, Money in the Bank on the other TV. Uh, I'm assuming that my Wi-Fi worked all the way through it. And uh, for the WWE Network. And so, yeah, what a heck of a what a heck of an end to a great Father's Day for me. <laughs> that is doing it up large right there. Heck yes. Mega TV going on in my living room. Um, speaking of Father's Day, uh, we'll just jump right into this. Fandango uh, did a survey where they uh, they asked a lot of dads. I'm not sure the number. A thousand, I think. A thousand, a thousand fathers. What movies, um, it had to be 2010 or earlier, uh, what movies that they couldn't wait to watch with their kids or um, when they watched, like they, they watched it with their kids because they couldn't wait. Like they, they were excited to watch these movies with their kids is what I'm trying to say. Um, do you guys have a movie or a few movies like that where you've either watched it with your kid or uh, you couldn't wait to introduce this movie to your kid or can't wait until they're old enough so you can watch it with them? Uh, Todd, do you have one of those or a few? Well, um, you know, the Henry's eight. So there's, uh, there's a lot of stuff he can't watch right now, mm-hmm. but, um, one that, one that I, I, I really want to watch with him, um, is probably, and we, I think we started it, but then I realized eh, maybe not, uh, 
is Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is mm. probably one of my favorite movies of all. It may be the best, my favorite film of all time. I'm not sure. Now, do you want me to tell you where these, when you name them, you want me to tell you if, if and where they rank on this list? Yeah, sure. That one was number 10. Raiders was number 10 on the list. Number 10. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, obviously we, we watch the Star Wars films. Um, I'm sure those the, are high on the list too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Star uh, Wars is number one, actually. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. We, I mean, we really, we watch the original trilogy, uh, the most, uh, for obvious reasons, um, uh, and the new one too. So, uh, those, those are probably the ones cause I, you know, I feel like that's, that's stuff that. He can watch, and we don't have to. I don't have to worry about right mute and cue and all that other stuff. So right, those probably those are probably my my go tos. Yeah. What about uh, what about Grace? Because Grace is a is a a bird of a different feather. She's got very interesting tastes. Um, yeah. Were there anything that you couldn't wait to watch with her because of that? Um. Well, and I'm, we're talking for those that don't know us personally. We're talking about your. Is she 16, 17 year old daughter? Sixteen will be seventeen in July. Um, the the things I would the things I'd like to share with her in the in the not too distant future when she isn't busier than me um, would probably be. Uh, there's a couple of Wes Andersons that I'd love to. see. Oh, that's right up her alley. Yeah, uh, Rushmore and Tannenbaum's probably. Um, she's actually seen Moonrise Kingdom and really enjoyed it, but watched it watched it by herself, I think, because she's like one of these covert movie watchers that you never know what you know what she's doing. And then oh oh I've seen it yeah I've seen that okay oh yeah. really okay surprisingly Wes Anderson movies didn't make the list of top twenty five movies to watch with your kids yeah I could, I could probably see that <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There are some, Wes throws some boobs in now and then and, and yeah, stuff. He does. And yeah. He, he, it, yeah. It's always surprising. Like you, you forget that most of his movies are rated R. Yeah. 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 He, and it's because of like one gratuitous shot like that he puts in there. Yeah. The R rated, uh, the R rated fantastic Mr. Fox is really good. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> that one is definitely out. safe for the kids. But yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah you've, uh, the the yeah the boob shot at, at, at some point in every movie and then uh, you know like Richie Tannenbaum trying to kill himself and whatnot right right <laughs> some adult yeah, themes pretty pretty profane too like yeah. it's pretty graphic when he does it mm -hmm. yeah hey go get the pretzels Grace yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, Scott what uh, you have a twelve year old daughter correct I do indeed yeah what uh, what do you what what movies do you like? Um, what 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 movies did I want to show her? Uh, yes, The Goonies was up there. Mm. Okay, yeah. it was that was one that you know I loved as a kid and couldn't wait to show her. Uh, seventeen, seventeen on the list. Nice. I was I wasn't even sure if it was going to make it, but yeah, seventeen. That's not bad. Um, and then I've got a like, and we watch, uh, we've watched all the Pink Panthers together. She is a a big yeah. Pink Panther That's series awesome. fan. Yeah, actually, I take that back. We haven't watched all of them. We didn't watch Pink Panther, and we didn't watch A Shot in the Dark because basically those are not the same as the others. Um, but uh, yeah, I've got a I've got a story. Like I've been waiting, I've been waiting. You know, at least. 
12 years um, to show her raising Arizona. And, uh, uh. and like two weeks ago, I thought, you know what? I think she's ready. I think, I think we've reached, we've reached the magic day. And uh, so we had a movie night and we go into the TV room and I start getting everything ready. And she's like, what are we watching? And I said, raising you're setting the stage. Oh yeah. I was like raising Arizona. And she said, Oh, I watched that last night. Oh, Oh, gosh. That is, I mean, I completely sympathize. That is soul crushing. Yeah. So apparently the night before, uh, something gets said about raising Arizona and at her mother's house and, and, oh. and Sophie's like, what is that? And she, and her mother said, you haven't seen that? Then we got to And uh, <laughs> if, uh. if her mother could just went to me making a sarcastic voice, uh, oh. it was just because of disappointment, you know, that, that yeah. it, what are the chances? I mean, it literally the night before that's crazy. Yeah. You were 24 hours from gold. I was, I was and getting to yeah. experience that, but you know, that's one. Did you like it? She did. She did. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also like the good thing is that's a movie that it it gets better every time you see it. So, um, you know, I think I yeah. you know I can I can wait uh, a year and then throw that back in there and it'll be it'll be good. We'll we'll have the experience. But and that's one of those movies that depending on who you're watching it with, it's it's a different experience every time. Watching it by yourself or watching it with a certain group versus a different group, you're going to get something different out of it every time. So yeah, if you once you let the shine wear off a little bit, you can you can revisit that one, I think, and she'll have a completely different perspective on it. Yeah. Is there anything? So, did you have any other ones that? Yeah, Full Metal Jacket. Of course. Yeah. When did you all watch that one? Man, like she loves she it. Nine? She can't. <laughs> yeah. She can't get enough of it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, also, didn't make the list. Surprisingly, though. <laughs> oh man, I don't. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> we did share Tron, though. Interestingly enough, Tron, which could also go in in possibly uh, uh, one of your one of your topics later. But yeah, she had the not the original, but uh, what is it called? Legend or? Oh yeah, the newest Legacy. one. Legacy. Legacy. There you go. Tron Legacy. Yeah. We both enjoyed the one that, that we watched when we did our Jeff Daniels yeah. Cinema Marathon right. with. Uh, True grit, yeah. She loves it. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, is there any that you will watch with her when she's a little older and you can't wait? Mm, uh, Taxi driver? <laughs> no, we've already seen it. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> the, probably. I know there are things like I, I've got. I've got several things on the shelf, and and there might be more Coen Brothers stuff. Uh, right. But yeah, so maybe some of that Wes Anderson stuff. I was gonna say she's kind of she's kind of quirky too. So that, West yeah, might be that is actually like that that those are the next on the list of she's waiting to hit a certain age. Uh, Bottle Rocket and uh, Rushmore are those are the next ones on the list of um, things I might show her. Yeah. Um, the ones that were big for me were like from the '80s. Some of the stuff I had sentimental ties to, like uh, I could not wait to show the kids Ghostbusters. Um, yeah. And, and hope that it would hold up a little bit. And it did. Um, my, all my kids are, are older. Like they're all legally of age to watch, go to, to go to the movies and, and get tickets for rated R movies now, which is insane. Right. But I've got a 17 year old, a 20 year old and a 21 year old. Um, so I couldn't wait for Ghostbusters. Um, 
And uh, Star Wars, obviously, and, and the uh, the Raiders movies were, were ones that I couldn't wait for. I actually couldn't wait because of the time it came out and because they they love that kind of stuff so much. I couldn't wait till they were old enough to watch The Matrix. Mm. Um, because especially the, the, the fellas, because, uh, man, that movie was so, when it came out, so revolutionary and so cool and it's rated R, which surprises me because it doesn't have a lot of like blood in it and the, the language isn't that bad. So I could show it to them when they were like 13, 14 and it didn't bother me to do that too bad. Um, so yeah, which it, it didn't make the list. Uh, Ghostbusters was 15 on the list. Um, yeah, that was a big one for and, me too. That she yeah. didn't, that, that she wasn't into all that much, and I think it was because of the ghosts and stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's like I think that's a gender specific one because Havana wasn't either, but the but the fellas loved it. Yeah, and I might have jumped the gun on that one a little bit. Uh, I probably should have waited because this was maybe a couple years ago that we watched Ghostbusters, and yeah, yeah. I, I might have jumped the gun a bit. I mean, we were eight when it came out. Oh yeah, I saw it in the theater. Yeah. So. Yeah. How how would you know? Um on that one. Um, another one was, uh, the first karate kid. Um, cause man, I dug, I dug the first karate kids so much. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, really good. Um, and then the ghostbusters quick story of father times since it's on this father's day, uh, broadcast, uh, yeah. good, good memories there because we, we did, we watched it. And two years ago on fall break, we went to New York city. And so she and I ran around and, uh, we went to the firehouse in New York city and we went to, oh, cool. we went to the public library and, and we reenacted a couple of little scenes from the movie and just went and ran around and saw a lot of the locations. So that was, those are good memories. Yeah, that's awesome. Especially since she didn't like the movie and you drug her all over New York. <laughs> yeah. She was a good sport We're, about it. She was a good sport. Yeah, that's she that's did, awesome. She didn't hate the did movie. You all, did you all reenact any of the taxi driver scenes? <laughs> while you were in New York? <laughs> okay, do you want me to go over like the top ten or the top five? Yeah, let's do five. Uh, let's, yeah, run through them. Okay, um, I'll start with number ten and we'll go through them quick. Number 10, I said Raiders of the Lost Ark. Number nine, uh, The Lion King, which to this day is my middle son's favorite movie of all time. Um, number eight, surprisingly on the list at all, but at number eight, Avatar. What? Yeah. Oh, garbage. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Um, number seven, Rocky. Yeah. Which kind of surprised me a little bit, but. Um, I, I'd, I'm, I'm, I would be more excited to show a Rocky four than Rocky. Yeah, me too. And and they don't like with Star Wars, it's sort of lumped together. So maybe it's any of the Rockies yeah, that they're yeah. talking about. They just lump them all together. Number six, Shrek, uh, which makes sense. Number five, Toy Story, which also makes sense. Um, yeah. Number four, Force Gump. Yeah. Number three, Jurassic Park, which mm. to, I, I'm right now, I've just realized my daughter has not seen any of the Jurassic Parks and she's at summer camp. I can't wait till she gets back because we're going to watch them. Yeah. Um, Number two, E.T., which probably wasn't on my list, but probably could have been. And number one was Star Wars, like we talked about. Any thoughts on those? Uh, I don't how how in the heck is Avatar? That yeah. blew me away that that was even on it. Let, let's save. Can we save Avatar for like a full on discussion? Because I've got all kinds of thoughts about yeah, Avatar and, the, and, the, and, and he's getting ready to, you know, make several more so let, let's let's dig into yeah. avatar one yeah. day 
Okay, yeah, that's good because I've got some stuff too. Um, I was happy to see a Marvel movie made the list, barely, but at 25, Iron Man was on there. Yeah, and that'll climb. I mean, most of these movies yeah, on, the, so on the list are at least 20 years old, so that yeah, that one will climb up the list. Um, another surprise for me, um, the at number 20, the feel-good story of Jaws. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, y'all can check out that list. Uh, I got it off cinemablend.com, uh, but it's on there if you guys want to check it out and see what you think. And uh, if anybody wants to tweet or text us any movies that they like watching with their kids or can't wait to see with their kids or whatever, then um, let us know. Uh, Scott, did you have something? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, obviously the movies on that list are all the movies that parents saw at, you know, when they were kids. Right. So, yeah, right. so 15 years from now, Iron Man will probably be, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't be shocked if it's top 10. Just you got to wait for those people that saw it as kids to become parents and then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and another Marvel movie. It's not Marvel, Marvel, uh, the, the MCU movies, but uh, Marvel Studios. But Spider-Man was number 22. Okay. So uh, that's kind of cool. Okay. Um, switching up a little bit. Um, what movies did you guys enjoy as a kid? Like, did you all have a good experience watching with your dads? Um, I've got a couple of these, but um, Todd, do you have any movies that you and your dad like to sit down and watch or that your dad couldn't wait to show you and sat you down and you all like, do you have any, any emotional ties to a movie because of your dad? Well, I mean, I remember going to the, I remember going to the Kentucky theater downtown Danville many, many years ago. Um, and I think, I think I remember him taking me to see, and we've talked, I'm, sure we've mentioned this before the at least the movie but i remember him taking me to see the cowboys um up in uh, oh nice which you know kind of you know it's kind of got that thread of john wayne is the kind of surrogate father for all these you know young boys that are in his charge um and i remember going to see that and of course you know crying like a baby at the end, but, um, that was a, that was a big one. Um, and star Wars. I mean, I remember going to the movie with, uh, the, the theater with him to see star Wars and, and another one that will probably it left as big a stamp on me as any is, uh, he, I remember him taking me to see young Frankenstein. Um, when it was, it was kind of a, I think it was a re-release, uh, cause it came out in 74. And I think we went to see it mm. maybe in the late mid to late seventies. Nice. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I love like you put Gene Wilder on your funny man Mount Rushmore. Yeah. So yeah, that movie does hold a place for you. Yeah, well, I mean, he introduced me to it, so you you know that kind of, that's it's like you know that's, that's cool. That sense of humor, it's like that's the origin of it, I guess. So yeah, were there any movies that you um, and we'll do this? We can do this a little bit too. But were there any movies that you saw and were like, my dad would love this. I have to show it to him. Yeah, I mean. Any any kind of, I mean he loves a lot of different uh, genres he really does I mean he he likes uh, I think probably action is probably his favorite he's mm -hmm. uh, kind of a typical stereotypical action dad um, but um, probably the uh, I'm trying to think of the one there was one that I, I turned him on to and he just he really really loved it and I can't think of the name of it now. But it was one that I, I, I saw by myself, and then uh, and then I thought, well, this is something. When it comes out, I'll I'll take it to him and let him see what he what he thinks. And he really enjoyed it, not more so than 
than uh, than I thought he would. Because Dad's big thing is he'll watch a movie, and then when you go and talk to him about it, the first thing he does is he mentions major plot points. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, uh, you know, um, you know, like for example, the Sixth Sense. I was like, well, what did you think of the Sixth Sense? And he's like. Well, you know, Willis dies there at the end. He's, he's already dead. <laughs> Turns out he's a ghost. You know, he's a ghost. I don't know. It was it was pretty good, though. I liked it. Uh, so, you know, and, and I mean, I've told him I don't know how many times. Listen, I know, I know somewhere deep in there you're going to hear me. But I don't want to know what happens at the end of the movie. I asked you if you liked the movie, and that's all I did. I just asked you if you like. So we're working on that. We're working on that. <laughs> Is this whether or not he knows you've seen it or not? It doesn't matter. Yeah, okay. <laughs> in other words, in other words, that's fine. That's fine. All right. Um all right, Scott, uh what uh, what movies did you enjoy with your with old uh, Kirby? Well, dad and I don't Movies was never really our thing. Like even as right. much as I'm into movies, and I, you know, and that was my thing. Like I don't, there weren't a ton of like shared experience as far as watching movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I've got though is some distinct memories kind of around movies uh, mm-hmm. that I share with Dad, and yeah. so I'll give you those. Um, for one, I remember him uh, reading that. W- I had a Return of the Jedi book, like a picture book mm-hmm. uh, that, that told the story of Return of the Jedi. And he read, I remember him uh, at bedtime reading that book to me every night. So that would have been 83, right? Yeah. 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 So I remember that and, and loved that. Uh, and then I really, like, I've just got some, some, you know, spread out memories of like, uh, I remember him and I going to see in a mall somewhere uh, Highlander two, which <laughs> wow, yeah, uh, was I was fired up about, but you know he I'm sure had absolutely zero interest in, um, and zero interest in the quickening. <laughs> <laughs> And so it's, there's a lot of like memories like that, but, um, yeah. as far as like the first movie that I can remember him and I like definitely sharing and, and, and both of us were all fired up about it was like when I was a little bit older, uh, you know, into my teens and, and, and tombstone is like, I, I feel like a movie that both of us are just, you know, absolutely nuts for. And we shared it and, and, uh, neither one of us can get enough of it. And we watched it together and, and that sort of thing and, and have watched it several times on video together. Um, yeah, you, is that one that you would qualify? Because it's going back to what what I asked Todd. Is that one you would qualify as a movie that you you liked and then shared it with him? I can't remember which way it happened. Which one of us yeah. saw it first, or if we just happened to stumble into it at the same time. Uh, we I we do that, and that's something I love to do is try to figure out you know get to know people's movie taste and then recommend movies to them. But man, I can't. Right. I've never been quite able to put my finger on mom and dad's. Right. <laughs> Yeah, movie taste like we're I, I just can't quite put my finger on it um like the you know you'll you'll think maybe it's one thing and then they'll be like 
they'll watch Jack Reacher and think it's the greatest movie of all time. And, yeah. uh, and I'm not, you know, and, and I'm not, it's, it's, uh, it just kind of surprised me. Like I'm not, right, I'm not yeah. disagreeing with them, but it was just like, you know, it's like, okay. Like, so I can, I can never quite pinpoint what they're going to love or, or dislike. And there, there's all, yeah, your, your dad made it a point to reach out to me to watch Jack Reacher. He loved that movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the, there, there's Jack Reacher two coming by yeah, the way. There is Jack Reacher two. Yep. There. Actually called the quickening too. I think <laughs> <laughs> all ties together. Yep, uh, I think the first time I remember going to see a movie was um, ET, and I went with my mom and dad. Like that's my earliest cinema memory. I was inconsolable, and uh, <laughs> I had to. I think it was on a Thursday night because we got the only way they could get me to stop crying was the promise of <laughs> Arnold Drummond and different strokes when I got home. Um, was it was it sadness? Was it tears of sadness? Yes. Okay. Tears of sadness because I did not want him to leave Elliot. Like it really bothered me. See, like that's the first time I've ever been emotional in a movie. And yeah. uh, at first time I remember watching a movie in a, in a in a cinema. Surprisingly, I wanted to go back because it tore me up. Yeah. That that ET left. That was. So you were six. Were you six? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It was that one was massive for me too, and and I'm just, what am I like six months younger than you, so um, yeah that uh, I had that also like probably the first movie that had some massive emotional reaction to, but I don't remember actually watching the movie. Like mom and dad say they had to take me out of it. Like, <laughs> like because because oh, yeah. I was freaked out apparently. So what I remember from that movie is the uh, series of nonstop nightmares that I proceeded to have <laughs> about it for years afterwards. Um, you were terrified by white ET, weren't you? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so I would have nightmares. Uh, I would have dreams all the time. And it would be like, for some reason, I'm outside of some apartment building and they would be like, you got to get up here. You got, they got to, you know, and I'm six years old and I'm having these dreams and like, they're, you know, we, you got to get up here. Like ET's up here. And so like, and so some apartment building and they take me up to an apartment and you go inside and sick ET is there. <laughs> the, the white shriveled up sick ET. And man, it was <laughs> stuff of nightmares for years and years that's incredible yeah and that was for us like the those hazmat suits and white et and, oh yeah and the noises right. he was making and all that it was pretty <laughs> terrifying for us yeah yeah so i'm thinking that that like six month gulf at that age was like a big you know a big difference between like you may like that was a critical six months where you could like yeah. you you could kind of take that movie in and ingest it a little more but yeah, uh, yeah i was completely terrified uh, yeah. Um, okay. So another one that he took me to the, the theaters to see, and I think it was just he and I was uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, so that was that was kind of cool. I got my first taste of Star Wars with my dad, and I remember that. Um, he took me to my first rated R movie, um, <laughs> which was just me and him, and it was Die Hard, which I was uh. only eleven years old, and he took me to see that. <laughs> so um, did you love was, it? loved it yeah like it opened up a whole new world of cinema to me at that point like movies can be this too right like they don't all have to be bubble gum and and fun and whatever um so yeah heck yeah man and that that was very impressionable and i remember uh getting to share that with my dad and um has he ever talked about like did having second thoughts about that or after you all watched it thinking, you know, that did he, has he ever said anything about like maybe feeling bad about that or maybe he shouldn't have or something? No, not really. Like 
but <laughs> I'm going to tell on them a little bit. Like they were allowing me to watch like Friday the 13th movies when I was like 13. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they had a weird sort of uh, moral compass when it came to showing me, showing me film. Um, <laughs> but no, he didn't like the only thing he said was, was something about, um, uh, there, there's a, there's going to be, there's going to be a little bit of boobies in this one. So, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not much and I'm, we're going to do it, but I just, you know, whatever. I, I didn't, I don't, not knowing that um, they had thought that one time we went to the drive-in and they had thought that I had uh, fallen asleep in the back of our big Monte Carlo for the second adult movie back when they used to do a, yeah. a, a kid movie at the first and adult movie at the second. Mm-hmm. And uh, so not knowing I'd already had a taste of the cinema boob from uh, Cannonball Run. Run. I was going to ask. <laughs> Pretending to be asleep in the back of the Monte Carlo. Daisy Duke was the to that one. Daisy Duke was the first set of boobs I ever saw. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cannonball Run at, at the drive-in in Harrodsburg. Lot, yeah. Lots of young men became. Yes, lost and that's, and boob that's why they call it. Daisy. That's why they call it the Twin Hills, man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, so there's that one. Um, that's that's another that's another uh, movie memory I have with my dad was I was scheming at that age to see Daisy Duke. Uh, yeah, because in the TV commercials they would show her and she had like this big mink coat on and she would open yep. it up and like you know you wouldn't see on TV. So, but I knew I wanted to see, I wanted to see that. Yeah. How old were we? How old were we, Alan? <laughs> When, when did that come out, Todd? Because we were young. Really Cannonball young. Run was, I think, it was after Smokey and the Bandit, so it was probably like 1980, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to I look it up. It was if 80. it was 1980, there's no way we no, were plotting. No, it, it was 81. We were four. They had It had to be a new, like it had to be a re-release. release or something. Yeah, it had to have yeah, been a re-release. Yeah, because uh, yeah, there's no way at four years old I was scheming to see Daisy Duke. But yeah, so... Oh. However old we are, and it was, we were very young. I remember that, but I, I kept, I kept trying to talk them into it. And we were at my grandparents' house, and it was in the paper. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like Dad'll, well, Dad'll like all those cars in that movie. And like, and I'm, yeah. try, you know, I'm trying to. <laughs> but yeah, they, so sure enough, we died. We, we go, and I talk them into it, and and it was all for Daisy. And uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! And I was um, introduced thematically to the Rocky movies with Rocky Four. Uh, with my dad, um, and I, good a time as any. Shout out to Dolph Lundgren. Hey, there you go, Dolph Lundgren. Do you want to giving me my Rocky Four uh, dad experience? On on, yeah, go ahead. on the Rocky Four note, do you want to play the game of Scott makes you feel old? A uh, new game. I sure, man. Let's let's ruin our Father's Day if. Uh, <laughs> If it, feeling old. if it if it if it ruins the show and people don't want to listen to old men, then we'll cut it out. But uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, Scott's gonna make us feel old with a Rocky Four reference. I think Alan, you are older than Stallone was in Rocky Four. No, <laughs> yeah. Does that make you feel old? Holy crap! It does. <laughs> wow. I'm, How old was he? He was thirty-eight. Goodness sakes, wow. man! Yeah, um, and I do this all the time. I'm super morbid about now that I'm now when I see movies, especially like Harrison Ford movies. I'm thinking, oh man, how old was he when he made that movie? And like, I loved it as a kid. And and, and you know, you looked at like how you kind of saw him back then when you yeah. watched it, and, and you know, as as 
old or or super adult or you know it's like now i'm older than he was then so yeah fun game right everybody loves that game yeah. that fun game. A lot of fun. I, was, I was i was waiting for you to say todd uh you you're you're as old as Burgess Meredith. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh yeah. man that is a good one the things like uh and this was this has been like two years ago that uh uh ralph macchio is older now than uh ralph the uh, than pat Morita was when they made uh karate kid oh we gotta stop <laughs> Yeah, he was he was in his he was in his twenties back uh, back when he did the first Karate Kid. I think he was I think he was in his twenties. Who? What? Yeah, oh, was, oh yeah. Ralph, Ralph. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah, not Pat. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he was older than everybody thought, and I think Maria yeah. was younger than everybody right, thought. Right, but Even still. Yeah. Michael that, J. Fox the same way. Michael J. Fox was a mm-hmm. lot older yeah. playing yeah. Marty McFly. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and and sort of a not to completely go back to it, but I think Back to the Future is a, a movie I wanted to watch with my kids. But anyway, um, the only movie this is this is so random, but the only movie I can remember seeing and being like, I've got to watch this with my dad. I'm, my dad's like you, Scott. Like he doesn't he doesn't have a particular taste, and he doesn't like. He's one of those dudes that if he'll if he sits down for more than twenty minutes, he's probably going to fall asleep. Like. My dad is a guy that's got to keep going. Yeah, that's my and, mom. And, and has an incredible amount of energy for a guy his age. But once he's once he's down, he's down. And you're not going <laughs> to hold his attention for very long. And he's probably going to sleep. But there was a movie that I couldn't wait to watch with him. Um, just out of left field, it was Dumb and Dumber. Um, <laughs> and he, like, I've, my dad is not a, a big laugher. And man, he guffawed at that movie. <laughs> Uh, when Jeff Daniels threw the snowball and, and hit her in the face, uh, that, that's probably the hardest I've ever seen my dad laugh. And I don't know that I'll ever forget that. All right, guys, I think that, uh, I think that we can put a bow on our father's day discussion right there. So, uh, let's, uh, let's just throw this thing to a break. We'll be right back with more talk hard. Welcome back, everybody, to Talk Hard, presented by Walk Softly Films. Uh, first of all, before we get going, I want to remind people to uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, like it on your various social medias, share it with your friends. Uh, let's keep the numbers growing so that we can keep doing this thing. And, uh, I, and not enough people have uh, rated it on iTunes. Oh, we need some ratings, guys. Yeah, but you got to get enough before you show up on the ratings. Yeah. I mean, feel free to give us that four and a half or five star rating. I mean, we're not making you, but, you know. Sure would be nice. We're giving you permission. And if you're on the fence between four and five, why not just round up? Always Always round up. I always go up. I never go down. Don't be a down rounder. Be an up rounder. That's right. All right, um... So let's uh, let's move along here. Scott has claimed to be the uh, Nostradamus of 
film by simply watching a two and a half minute trailer, he can tell whether a movie is going to be a good one or a bad one. Uh, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, we're gonna we're gonna put that to the test for the first time on the podcast, as far as like my opinion goes. So I went and watched Central Intelligence this weekend. Scott, you had an opinion on Central Intelligence based on the trailer. I did, and let me qualify. Okay, because I can say with 99% certainty that I think that I'm going to think it's funny. Okay. Personally. Okay. But we we both know that I also, you know, Ridiculous Six, and right. what was the other one that made me laugh? Re- the <laughs> uh, Casa de mi Padre. Yes. Yeah. That those two made me laugh. Yeah. So I'm thinking Central Intelligence will make me laugh, whether it's like an actual good movie. Like, I would, I would say there, I would go so far as to say that most people, I think, would be entertained by... Central intelligence. I would, I would, I would, as far as other people go, I would be willing to say that. Based on the trailer. Based completely on okay. the trailer. So I think to, to quantify whether it works for me or not anyway, personally, by based on your trailer, I think on a rating system, you rank what you think it'll be on like a scale of one to 10. And I think if we're in a, we're within one or two. I think that's. I think that's a win. Okay. So. Okay. What? For the general public, give it a one to ten. For yeah, what what you think when you watch it, okay. based on the trailer, what you're gonna, what you would guess that you would give it, what you predict you would give it on a scale of one to ten. All right. Uh, and I'm, I'm gonna write my number down so that it's not just me, like, trolling it. I'm going to go. So that you all know I'm not. Okay. Six and a half. All right. Look at the number. Bam. That's pretty dang good. <laughs> I gave it a six. That's, that's, that's pretty close. Scott, you're one for one. Wow. Up here. That was a five. That's a six. Oh, high five. Mm, high I got five. you. Okay. On one, one and oh, baby. That's one right. One for one on the year on the Tall Card Podcast. The You completely nailed it that this is the kind of stuff that The Rock should be doing. Completely nailed it. Okay. Good. Yeah, that's that's the one thing I was probably most certain of was that, yeah, yeah. as far as the stuff that The Rock has been in recently, that this was going to feel like, yeah, what he was cut out to do. There were there were times where he was he had to be the heavy and he pulled it off. There were times where he was kind of goofy and he pulled that off. And then like there was actually some poignant stuff in there that he pulled. Like he went the full range and he did it all really well. And he he played the funny guy and Kevin Hart, the stand up comedian, played more the straight man. And I really thought probably that was the the downfall of the movie. Like I think it would have been better had. They cast that a little differently. I think the size gimmick was kind of funny because there's such a big discrepancy in how big The Rock is and how little Kevin Hart is. But him playing the straight man didn't really work that well. But, man, The Rock nailed it. Who would you, if, if you're playing casting director, who, do you, who would you go with in place of Kevin Chris Hart? Chris Tucker. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> huge, huge, huge difference. Yeah, exactly. Just polar opposite. Um I don't know. Let me think about that. Right. I'll come up with it. Um, but like it, Owen Wilson c- 
could do both at one time. And we've talked about Wedding Crashers. Like, he could be the funny guy, but he played the straight man in Wedding Crashers, and it worked. Um, Kevin Hart wasn't able to do the the, the straight dude. Um, but I'll think, I'll think of something. Yeah, that is interesting because, you know, he, he's over the top, and that's, you know, that's what Kevin yeah. Hart does. So, you know, in the trailer, some of his... I guess I can see it in some of his reactions where he's like screaming and stuff like that over everything the rock does. And right. he's completely freaked out by yeah. it. So, but yeah, I can see what you're saying. If he's, if he's playing a straight man, that might not. Yeah. He's an accountant who, uh, kind of didn't after high, he was voted most likely to succeed after high school and most popular. And he won all these accolades in high school, all these superlatives. And then he just became kind of a boring accountant and his life is kind of ho-hum until the rock Facebook messages him. And then it just kind of like, he's trying to, hold everything together while the rock's life is kind of insane. I can see where the energy would be wrong. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of like Peter Gallagher in that, uh, in the, the man who knew too little, like ultimate straight man, Peter Gallagher, like maybe something like that. Yeah. Even go that far. Yeah. I think if you got somebody who was actually like, like what if you went Denzel even, yeah, would that be too far? Maybe a little bit. No, I think it, I think it would be, if it went too far that way, it would be better than going too far the other way. Like getting somebody who actually was kind of cool and had the physical characteristics to be like the cool guy in high school, but then it just didn't pan out for him. I think it would have worked better. You know, Peter Gallagher, you say that he really is a funny guy. He always plays these serious roles. Um, and he was really funny in a movie called um, Late for Dinner. And he had this just kind of, he was playing himself, but he was, he was also kind of parroting the mm-hmm. the kind of roles he had done in the past. Cause, mm-hmm. I mean, what was his big, what was the big thing he's known for? I guess, Sex Lies and Videotape. Yeah, that's definitely one of them. Um, he's funny. He really is funny. He he he. I think he could have kind of that Alec Baldwin kind of mm. second career. Yeah, yeah. He, he is very funny. And you, yeah, I would like to. You know, that there's some research we can do. Is like, what was the last thing he was in? Because I that the probably the other thing I remember him from is the straight man in um, the Sandra Bullock rom-com. Yeah. While you were sleeping. I was going to say the Sandra Bullock rom-com. He was, and he was great as the philandering realtor in American Beauty um, with uh, Annette Bening, uh, Spacey's wife. Yeah. He was really getting that because he was, uh, I think his name was Buddy King. Okay, so moving on a little bit, um, I think Central Intelligence has done pretty well at the box office, but um, we haven't discussed a movie that did not do so well on its opening weekend. Uh, It didn't get a domestic opening as of yet, but um, man, in Europe, Misconduct, starring Oscar Award winners Al Pacino (laughs) and Anthony Hopkins. Who have, as of right now, seen better days as far as their box office draw goes, apparently. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That movie opened up to $147. Not K. Yeah, there, there wasn't a glitch after he said $147. No. That's, you heard that. Not 147000 or $1.47. $147. And it, I think it only opened on five or six screens, but even still, that's thirty bucks. That's that, thirty that, bucks a screen. Was that a, that was a weekend? 
Yes, that was a complete a Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend. That's if they're fifteen dollar tickets, then you're selling two tickets for the entire weekend per screen. Now, let's take into account though that they don't really count the evening shows on Sunday because they. I'm just telling you, I worked at a theater. <laughs> they and they, they just yeah, they just they kind of say, ah, it's probably gonna be this. So you're saying we're not being fair, and they probably did crack 150 bucks. The the Sunday crowd, I bet, just really raked it in. Yeah. <laughs> There's always somebody going to see something on Sunday on night. On Sunday night. So they might have had two more people. I, full, right. I fully encourage uh, anybody who wants to get a, a taste of what that movie's like, watch the trailer and just pay attention to Al Pacino's voice that he's oh, doing. And I haven't watched the trailer. Yeah, you got to see it. Pretty and, good. Yeah. And uh, it might give you some kind of clue as to why it didn't uh, rake it in. $11 million budget. What $11 was, million. Dollars. Yeah. Uh, one, one, um, review that I said, said it was quote unquote, hilariously inept. (laughs) (laughs) What? Like if you get that bad a script and it's gotta be bad and you're Hopkins and Pacino, who can probably pick their project. I'd like to know what the below the line was on that (laughs) 11 million because... I mean, right? It couldn't have. It couldn't have been much, right? At yeah, all, right? If you, for both of those guys, I don't know what they were pulling in in their heyday, but and and they're not. And you got Josh Dumel. Yeah, like it's yeah. It's not like it just those two, and then it just completely falls off. Yeah, it's uh, you know you got some other actors that had to have gotten a check too. So it's one of two things. Somebody owed somebody a favor. Like all these people love whoever directed that movie or produced it or something. Or number two, yeah, all those guys need a check right now and just want to work. How sad is that? Those two. It is sad. And uh, that is Hollywood royalty. And they just opened up to under a hundred and fifty dollar opening. Which means no royalties. (laughs) Not in the foreseeable future. It makes me feel like the studio just had to bury it or something like they saw it and decided we're not putting another dollar into this. Yeah. We spent 11 million. And cause you know, as yeah. far as I know there, you know, there wasn't the first bit of advertisement as far as I know for this thing. I, I never saw a trailer for it. So I haven't either. If Can you, if you put out, let's just say if they released the, um, the 1980s era, fantastic four right now, <laughs> Would it make more than $147? Oh, there's no doubt. Just the novelty of that. Just because there's such a buzz around it, kind of. Yeah, it's almost not fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think people would go to see it just to just to rip it, like a draft house kind of thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. So can we talk about what I think is even worse than this one, like the possible worst decision Bef- Before we move time? on to that, okay. I want to know if you would mind doing your best bad Pacino impersonation of how he was in the trailer. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Scott Stafford doing Ugh. Al Pacino from <laughs> Misconduct. Or is it really Al? <laughs> You're going to accuse a man of spending $8 billion. Was, oh, man. That's, that's the best I got. Now, that is must-watch for for our audience and for me now. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> I'm watching Misconduct. Can, I don't know. Is there any way that you can play that? Yeah, we'll, we'll fit it in there. Okay, play it. <laughs> That's good stuff. Okay, so what, what were you going to say? 
All right, so the movie that's even worse than this one. I've got one. Oh. As hard as that is maybe to believe. I looked it up before this. This movie's sitting at eight on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Eight. Okay. Eight. I've got one that is sitting at zero. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. United Passions, starring Tim Roth. Uh, so they made a movie about FIFA, and it debuted in the heat of... Oh, the scandals. <laughs> the scandal. And FIFA funded it themselves. Like, oh, man. FIFA funded 90% of a $32 million <laughs> budget. Whoa. <laughs> it was, they said it's 27 to $32 million, oh, one, one or the other. And uh, it did have a domestic opening. Phoenix, Arizona sold one ticket on opening night. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> It made $319. Total. That's not opening weekend. Opening night. Opening total. Domestic. Uh, on a, uh, let's see, less than $1,000 on opening weekend all across the country. Oh, my goodness. So uh, it was pretty, it had a pretty big release. Yeah, decent release, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, Tim Roth plays Sepp Blatter who is the worst human alive, and and they basically make him the hero of the story. Oh, man. It's just the worst idea ever. Were they they making this before all the scandal stuff broke, or was this in response to the scandal? This guy's not that bad. No. Yeah, I think they started making it probably the early stages were before the scandal broke, but, I mean, it was in, like, some of the stuff that was going to come out was in the script, so it was was in the middle of it. Mm. That they were making this thing, and uh, and and Sepp Blatter himself had a pass on the script, and like was changing lines and stuff. To make, oh man, uh, the lowest grossing film of all time. Oh. But a supposedly that, made a hundred and fifty thousand dollars worldwide oh in its gosh. entire run uh, off of a thirty-two million dollar budget. I don't have the updated box off on misconduct. But I, I got to think it's close. Well, no, and no. it's not going to get a domestic release, is it? Misconduct's not. No, I can't imagine. No, that. not after that. Phoenix is a hot. It's a hotbed of uh, Tim Roth followers, though. <laughs> you just you got to you got to factor that in with all one of them going yeah. to see it. So get ready for some vainglorious blustering right now. But if somebody gave us. Thirty-two million dollars. Oh, good grief! To make a movie, what is your certainty that we would break even? That we wouldn't lose money? That we could? <laughs> would you be scared of thirty-two million dollars for one thing? Not if it wasn't my money. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first thing we would probably do is just pay off all our debt, um, so we could quit and and, <laughs> and focus on writing a good. Yeah. Thirty-one million dollar movie. Right, yeah. yeah, I would. I would personally rather much have one million dollars. Yeah, like it's gosh, a, a jumping off point. Yeah, thirty-two is scary. You got to do something yeah. to get to make that back, and and for people to want to see that. What I mean, what a horrible decision. Yeah, uh, to make this movie got to be maybe the worst of all. I, I I would I would say this is the worst idea for a movie ever. Yeah, um, I can't think of one off the top of my head. That's. So yeah, but I, I'm. You give us one million dollars. I'm certain we're making more than uh, 
what was it, 10,000? Yeah. Uh, no, 150,000. <laughs> We're making more than that. I guarantee Goodness it. Sakes. Even if you just give us a million dollars, let alone 32. And, um, and we'll make Tim Roth uh, an award winner. Well, in that, in that <laughs> we one million dollar We film. can re, re, revitalize his career. I'm yeah. thumbs up on Tim Roth, by the way, just as yeah. an afterthought. I like him. He, he does good work. He was really good in Rob Roy. Quentin obviously likes him. Yeah. Yeah, that's, man, that is insane. All right, you all, you guys be the judge. Misconduct, or uh, what was the name of that POS you just... <laughs> United Passions. Home. United Passions. That's a terrible name. Yeah, I kind of want to see it, because it's, you know, for it's got to yeah. be, be worth seeing. It's well, so bad. Yeah, well, after hearing you do Pacino, I want to see, <laughs> mis- see Misconduct, too, so... <laughs> all right um we got a few minutes left in this thing uh todd you had said earlier uh in the week that um maybe a good topic of discussion would be directors that you don't feel get there just do kind of underrated directors under the radar directors when people have talks about these are the greatest guys working their names for one reason or another aren't mentioned and maybe some guys that we like that are on that list. Um, do you want to expound on that, or do you want to? Yeah, I think. Um, and and it and it was funny because the guy that one of the one of the guys that came to my mind first because um, you know I haven't heard from him in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's you know he directed um, he directed a few films back in the eighties, and none of them were huge smashes or anything. They didn't you know. Uh, but he was well known in horror circles. Uh, Please don't tell me it's the guy that did Rock and Roll Nightmare. It is not. It is not John Michael Thor. Okay, <laughs> and you know his name. <laughs> but, but yes, well, that's the star. But I think I actually do know the. I think I do know the director's name. I think it's. Uh, well, I know it. I just can't recite it right now. <laughs> the fact that you know anybody associated with that movie's name. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, he is Thor. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's fairly infamous, right, John Michael? Quite. <laughs> uh, but and, go ahead. And, if, and 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 not to not to divert, but definitely check out Rock and oh, Roll. Oh, absolutely. Nightmare. We watched that movie together in Paducah, and it was very much worthwhile. It was scintillating. It was. <laughs> um, the 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 director that um, that comes to mind, and I and I want to throw him out there. There are others, but there's a guy named Fred Decker, and back in the '80s. Uh, he, he wrote, I think he wrote a lot of screenplays, um, but he, he actually wrote a screenplay and then got to direct, um, the first film he did was, um, Night of the Creeps, (laughs) great title, Mm -hmm. um, formerly known as Homecoming Night, and it's, um, it's kind of a horror movie, but it's, it's got a take on, um, like the 50s style movies, the way they were shot and everything, uh, it actually starts out in the 50s and then moves ahead to present day. It's a college fraternity kind of horror movie is like what I like to call them. But there's also space aliens and uh, body inhabitation turns the hosts into zombies. And it's really good. Yeah. Uh, and it's got uh, it's got a great role for Tom Atkins, who's a great character actor. Um, it was in uh, some of John Carpenter's earlier stuff. Um, and, um, that was, that was his first film and it's really good. I highly recommend anybody to watch it cause it's, it's entertaining. Uh, there are some scares in it, but it's just a really good flick. And he followed that up with, uh, and I hope I don't have these in reverse order cause I okay, used to, so I used to know, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I used to know this okay. stuff back and forth, but I've slipped a little bit. Um, he did Monster Squad that after next. that. And that was good. And Monster Squad's great. Monster Squad's basically a Goonies-style yeah. film. Uh, you've got a, 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 a nice group of really, really good child actors. And they're, uh, they're enlisting the help of uh, some of the the old movie monsters to battle other movie monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really well done. It's got a Spielberg vibe to it. It does feel Yeah, kinda, it was fun. It yeah. was a lot of fun. I remember watching it when I was a kid. Well done. Um, and and he, so he does that one. And then, okay, this is where it gets tough to justify it when you say RoboCop 3. <laughs> uh, because RoboCop 3, we all know. We just don't even say it. And surprisingly... That's the last thing he ever directed. Exactly. RoboCop 3. Exactly. Um, and it's a shame because I think he had good intentions, but at the time, RoboCop was an R-rated franchise, and he made a PG-13 movie. It was more kid aimed at kids. and uh, Anyway. He, he also have... did an episode of Tales from, Tales the, Crypt. from the Crypt. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Called so, The Thing from the Grave, the if anybody was to check And that that's out. a good episode, by the way. So this he's got a really good command of his craft. Uh, he, he, he's a, you know, he does really well with the actors. He gets great performances out of them. Uh, he's and yeah. only 57. Yeah. So, I mean, he was, yeah. Why I mean, not? It's been 23 years. He was in his 20s when he did those two films yeah. back to back. And then... Rubble crap. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, that he's a guy though that deserves. He deserves another shot at it. Yeah. Be careful with the projects you pick. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. But and, and as Stay I in your wheelhouse. And as I say that, uh, he is writing uh, the Predator with Shane Black, wow. uh, who's going to direct it. So he is he is kind of making a bit of a comeback. I saw that about you know a couple weeks ago. So. It's good, and he and he does have a he's a good he's a good writer as well. Yeah, he's got a few writing credits since RoboCop three, um, so maybe yeah. he'll get back in the game. Yeah, I would like to see him behind the camera again because it's I mean if if you and you've seen Monster Squad, I love Monster If you Squad. watch Night of the Creeps or if you haven't seen his work, mm-hmm. watch those two because honestly, they're they they really sell you on the guy and his talent. Scott, do you have anybody that is kind of flies under the radar that doesn't get mentioned a lot? I don't think mine is as good as Todd's as far mine as like off the radar. Right. Um, but I do have one that I that I always I've got one director that I always look at as um, the guy who doesn't get nearly as much credit as he deserves, and that's Richard Donner. Hmm. Um, to me, like I, I just feel like he's completely overlooked and, and should be close to as in the same breath as some of the greats. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially from that era when you, you know, because you always hear Lucas, you always hear Spielberg. I think, you know, Donner needs to be that next guy. Um, probably, you know, to me, one step ahead of Zemeckis because maybe Zemeckis gets mentioned as one of, one of the top dogs. But, I mean, you look at his. Yeah. And for one thing, uh, you've got Superman, which to this day uh, – I would say most of lists that you see um, for that rank superhero movies still put the 1978 Superman uh, number one on their list. We ranked our favorite superhero movies for the Walk Softly Films website one time. Yes, and we did. Both of us. Did you do it too, Todd? Okay. Scott and I both had that one in our top two. Yeah, I had. Yeah, I had Superman as the number one for me. Yeah, it was my number one too. Yeah. So you've got, you know, you 
you start with that. And, and he did The Omen before that. Right. Which was yep. a huge box office. Yeah. Was that 76? 76 yep. was The Omen. So The Toy which uh, I enjoyed as a kid. I couldn't tell you if it's as good, you know. I When I was a kid, I liked it. I haven't yeah. seen it since then. But The Goonies, one of my favorite, you know, it's one of my top five movies of all time. Like, we'll always love it regardless, period. It is a great film. Um, the Lethal Weapons, all of them, you know, especially the first two. I mean, that's mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scrooge, which we've mentioned on here before. I know we've got some love for that one. Not everybody does, but... Uh, you know, you got some, you know, some mid-level things like conspiracy theory, and uh, the one that I saw that I enjoyed, I just caught it on TV and and had no idea what it was, but uh, Bruce Willis was in it, and uh, I can't remember who else, but it was called Sixteen Blocks, and I watched the whole thing because I just I caught a little bit of it and I was like, I like this, like this is good, and I'd never heard of it, mm-hmm. and. You know, I've made it all the way to through to the end. I was like, that's a good movie. Like, who who directed that? And it was like Richard Donner. I'm like, whoa. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, because, you know, Richard it doesn't work that much. It really does. And uh, so I was really impressed with that one. And it just kind of reaffirmed. That's kind of when the thought stuck in my head is like, man, like Donner just doesn't get enough credit. And, uh, you know, Superman, Goonies, just those two alone to me are, you know, legendary. And, um, and, and he he set the bar. He he kind of made the genre for superhero movies, and and that a lot of them haven't been able to reach. The only guy, in my opinion, still that's done a good Superman movie. When it doesn't even seem like that should be a hard thing to do, and he nailed it. Apparently, it's very hard to do. You're right. I think it is. Um, I think Brian Singer came close, and part of that is because he worships at the mm-hmm. altar of Donner. He's like their their best buddies, and 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 part of that was you know. He just he went to him and and became close friends with him and just like said you know basically like mentor me, um, but I think Donner and his wife like produce a lot of singers movies so they're they're kind of like a team now, but um, what were we talking about? Superman movies. <laughs> That's right. He did the only yeah. Good so one. yeah, Singer. I think Singer came close because of his connection to Donner and and basically making it picking it up almost as if it was Superman two, like, you know, or Superman three, if Donner had kept making them. Um, and I think really the only misstep with that movie, if you take the, the kid out of it, um, like then, then I'm thinking you're, you're maybe looking at like super uh, Superman returns being like a genuinely good film to me. Yeah. It's got its moments and especially the, the airplane scene is great. Yeah. Really great. Airplane scene's the best action scene of any Superman movie, uh, without a doubt. Even even with all the CG, mm-hmm. but that's without a doubt the best action piece yeah. of of any of those movies. Yeah, pretty incredible. And that's what Brian Singer does. Mm-hmm. Like just to just to do a little bit on Singer, like, get off topic. Uh, Brian Singer is the best in the superhero game at interpreting a superhero's powers for the screen. Right. I think of that's that Superman Returns scene. I think of uh, Quicksilver in in um, what was the the X Men Days of, Days of Future? Yeah, yeah, that sequence with Quicksilver and the uh, X Two mm-hmm. sequence with Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Yep, probably the th- three of the best. That opening ever. scene with the president. Yes. Yeah. In- incredible. He, in his head, he sees what you can do with their powers better than anybody, and no, none of the Marvel directors have come close to what he's done at his best. I, now I would I would say 
by and large, the Marvel movies are better than his minus X2. X2 is really great, but mm-hmm. but past that, his haven't been as good. But still, he when when he hits on it, like nobody uh, gets the most out of a power on screen uh, and kind of fires your imagination up like he does. Yeah, if you were to rank standalone scenes from superhero movies, his his would definitely be all over the top ten list of those. And the the Quicksilver scene from Apocalypse is really good. I mean, again, it's it's the high point, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's very you know it's similar. You got a you got a seventies era mm-hmm. song being played, and and then he he um, I think uh, takes place at the Xavier Mansion this time, uh, and it's really well done. It's mm-hmm. very kind of jaw dropping. Um, one that I had that is is probably even more recent than your all's, and um came to my mind because I saw his movie last weekend. Um, but I think that James Wan is the new master of horror. And I don't think anybody does that genre better. And I don't hear him talked about a lot. Um, but man, that dude knows how to make a scary movie in a time when it's impossible to scare people anymore. Like everything's been done and he does it with sound and he does it with, no, I don't think anybody does a better job that I've ever seen. This isn't currently, this is ever. I don't think anybody does a better job scaring you or building, building a intensity. Uh, but what am, what am I trying to say? Building suspense mm-hmm. with sound and with his camera angles. Like he'll, he uses like the fisheye. He uses that so well. And, and he uses like enclosed spaces and enclosed camera angles so well. And he uses the wide shot. I don't think anybody does, does that better than uh, James Wan does. And I, I heard an interview with him where he said that a lot of directors in that genre have a hard time because they try to trick the audience instead of just trying to scare them. And he just wants to scare you. He's not in it to trick you. But I think that he does... He's done all of the the uh, Conjuring... Both Conjuring movies. He's done all the Insidious movies. And he did all the Saw movies. And he did Fast and the Furious 7. Mm-hmm. So... Throw that one in there. <laughs> and and one of my favorites, and a lot of people call this a guilty pleasure. I don't call it a guilty pleasure because I think I said I don't really have any guilty pleasures because I like <laughs> so many bad movies anyway. Yeah. So, but he, uh, there's one called Dead Silence, which is the I, one with I the... I really uh, like that one too. With yeah. the uh, ventriloquist dummies, yeah. which is already great. And you know how much I love ventriloquist dummies if you've watched anything on our Vine That's programming. Right. I, I'm going to get away from Dolph Lundgren a little bit and give a shout out to Danny O'Day. <laughs> and all. Scott's or Todd's favorite ventriloquist dummy. And surprisingly, I actually have a bit of input on the James Wan topic. Uh, yes, Bam. I was wondering because <laughs> I didn't think I was going to, but I, it, uh, the memory struck me. Uh, James Wan is going to be directing the Aquaman movie. I heard yeah. that's Todd heard told me that too, too which yeah. is weird. Yeah. Uh, anybody that points at that movie, they always mention him as the director of Fast and the Furious. You know, they connect yeah. that movie yeah. with Aquaman rather than some of the others. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I'll watch it probably <clears throat> now because he's in it. Um, and then the dude that plays Drago from, or Drago or whatever his name is from Game of Thrones, it doesn't even play Aquaman. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and I've just recently started going down the uh, rabbit hole of Games of Thrones. Game of Thrones started yeah. in on season one, so I'm I'm digging that dude too. So. 
Yeah. Um, I had one more under the radar director real quick that I'll throw in there um, and see what y'all think about that I don't ever hear. I think he does action really well, and that's Matthew Vaughn. Um, that's did, um, yeah. Did first Kingsman. class, right? Yeah, first class. He did Kingsman, which I really liked. Um, I think some of his action sequences are incredible um, from those two movies, especially. I, I can't remember if he did any any other. He ones. did uh, kick. Arse, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's him too. Yeah. yeah, I think he's great, and I don't ever hear his name brought up in in uh, modern day directing greatness. So um, if you all don't have any Matthew Vaughn, I'm I'm not on the same page with you there. Really, the most of yeah, most of his stuff that I've seen for whatever reason it doesn't it doesn't sit well with me. Like I'm not a huge fan. Did you see Kingsman? I started watching Kingsman. Oh <laughs> man, turned it off. Really, I did. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a topic for another show. <laughs> what, wow! What else did he do besides those three that we let me, mentioned? Let me look him up. Because I was thinking he had something. What, what was your problem with Kingsman? I don't know. I just wasn't feeling it. Huh? Um, yeah, and I kind of walked in on it later. I think some of the guys at work were watching it, and I walked in later when they were watching it and, and caught some of the Samuel L. Jackson stuff, and and was kind of questioning what he was doing there, his decision on the. The uh, his accent and everything, yeah, hmm. yeah. That was the, Sam Jackson's accent was weird, but it, the three he's done start he did Stardust, Kick Ass, First Class, and Kingsman, and hmm. I, I liked I liked all three of those. So, um, it's, and I, the reason I liked them is because the action sequences are just kind of grab you. That scene did Jeff? You seen Kingsman? Did I you watch it? I haven't seen Kingsman. Okay, well, then I won't talk about it, but. Um, I think it must be easier for me to go along with corny on comedy, as we have discussed, yeah. than it is for me to go along with corny on action. And maybe vice versa for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, maybe that's not the right word for his, for what, what but, you know, it it is maxed out, and you could kind of call it an over-the-top brand of action, yeah. I guess. Um, and you didn't like Kill Bill, the Kill Bill movies right. that much either, and right. I loved them, yeah. so... Yeah. Kind of the same deal. Yeah, I think we're zeroing in on yeah on the difference there. Yeah, I really liked uh, the first Kill Bill, but I I couldn't. The second one is just uh, yeah, it's not nearly as good. It's not. I mean, and, and you know you want the payoff, but you know it, it, it. We knew it was a tale of two worlds there. Yeah, the first one was awesome. Do you guys have any other directors that you want to throw in this pile of underrated? I'm gonna have some more, but I'm not gonna. I won't. I won't throw them out there yet, just okay. because I I think. Yeah, keep them keep them wanting more. That's yeah. right. You know they do, man. I gave them two. I feel like I've spoiled the audience. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that I think that'll do it for us on uh, this edition of Talk Hard. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, got a little a good little Father's Day talk in there uh, that we we got to talk about our kids and our dads a little bit. And that's always fun, and uh, and then some other stuff that just kind of randomly came up. So that's how we do. We like to freeform it on over here at Walk Softly Films. Uh, but we're going to call it right there. So um, subscribe to the podcast, share it, like it, rate it. Give us give us those five stars. We want them. Uh, for Todd Sheen, Scott Stafford, this is Alan Martin reminding you to walk softly and talk hard. Well, I hope you come to see me in the movie. And I know that you Biggest fool that's ever hit the big time 
Billion dollars. Eight and a half billion dollars. You're going to accuse a man stealing eight and a half billion dollars? He really hammered the growl on the dollars. 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 